Friend Eric boned you, huh? Yeah. How are you gonna pull off New York now? I can't pull it off. I'm stuck here. What's the point of being a writer or an artist anyway? Herman Melville wrote fucking Moby Dick. And he was so poor and forgotten by the time he died that in his obituary, they called him Henry Melville. You know, like why bother? They're just gonna forget our fucking names anyway. I heard Em went back to New York. I wish it didn't end like that. I should have, I don't know. Get behind me, boom! I got two, there's one, there's two! Boom! Boom! Boom, baby, boom! Yes. Your Herman Melville story, that... That's bullshit. It's true, they called him Henry. No, I mean... He wrote a 700-page allegorical novel about the whaling industry. I think he was... I think he was a pretty passionate guy, Joel. I hope they call me Henry when I die, too. Yeah, one can only hope. Woo! Let me ask you something. Why would always you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? You think I'm especially not a genius? Suck like that one, you cheap dime store. Welcome to another installment of The Greatest Moments in the History of Forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 277, Adventureland Revisited. Now the last time we covered this movie, the episode universally panned by the listeners, declared boring. Let's see if we can do a little bit better this time around. I don't think one person is <laughs> universal. I don't know, back then one person made up a pretty big amount of the downloads. Yes, we initially covered Adventureland in episode 10 on February 19th, 2016. It ran for 59 minutes, and frankly, it was no surprise that we got to it as early as we did on our run. Yeah. I do love this movie. I know you love it as well. It's a special movie. I think we wanted to talk about it right away, obviously, with Pittsburgh ties and everything else and the whole deal. I think it's the ultimate definitive movie of being whatever, 19, 20, early 20s, I guess, is more appropriate since he's getting ready to go to grad school, right? Whatever it is, that time period where you're like kind of living at home, you don't really yeah. have a, a job yet. For those of you new to the program and maybe not have any experience with 
revisited episodes. This is a new episode where we're just covering a topic that we already did, but we're going to try to go a little more in-depth, do a little bit better of a job. We essentially don't really count the first 100 or so episodes. It's like a relaunch at episode 100. Yeah, I mean, whatever you think of the show now is probably fair, but listen, it's a million times better than it was back around episode 10. Yeah, for sure. So before we get into Adventureland, let's remind our listeners to follow the show on Twitter, at Greatest Pod. Make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, etc. Give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts if you get a chance. You can also reach out on Twitter and receive a free sticker from us if you'd like that. And you can find us on Letterboxd, Zach1983. And Matt Crosby. So let's get into it. 2009. It's hard to believe that's so long ago now. Yeah, such a wonderful time. I was actually graduating college. Very appropriate for me. I wasn't 100% convinced that you had graduated college, just time frame wise. Yeah, well, you know, don't ask me to prove it. But <laughs> <laughs> It seemed like we were working together at a point where I don't know if four years would have went by between... I graduated high school in 05. <laughs> <laughs> I know that some of our listeners are probably excited for this revisited Big Kev out there. That's right. I talked about it. One of our good friends of the show. <laughs> Written and directed by Greg Matola, probably most famous for directing Superbad, which yeah. we will talk about more in a minute. Coming off of that. The budget was $9.8 million. The box office was $17.2 million. It's a personal film, coming-of-age story, a summer movie set at a time in life when summers still seem to mean everything in the world. And as Matt pointed out, I'm a little bit older than him, but still certainly within the right time frame for me, RE, a college situation, college graduation, you're sort of in that aftermath. We're probably pretty similar in age to Jesse Eisenberg. So we're True. right in that range. Obviously, Kristen Stewart, I think, is probably playing a little bit older than she actually was. I don't think she's actually supposed to be like no. 19 or whatever she was when she made this movie. But Well, they're all drinking in bars and stuff. I know. So that's why I over kind of thought that yeah. she was probably supposed to be playing a little older. As mentioned, Adventureland has a big Pittsburgh connection as it was filmed here, mostly at Kennywood Park in West Mifflin, PA. Which is a place I've still never been in my decade plus of living here now. It doesn't really look like Adventureland. They definitely shittied it up. Yeah. It's a little nicer and newer looking. I wish it did look like Adventureland. The Adventureland sign over the place where you drive in is super cool. It was a stand-in for the Adventureland Park in Farmingdale, New York, where Matola once worked in the 80s. And it was altered to look run down, as I said. The film is supposed to be set in summer, but it was shot in winter and they had to work around some snow issues and do some creative work to keep it out of view. And I think they do a a pretty reasonable job. Oh, I think so. They struggled for sunny days, clearly. A lot of the time it looks a little more overcast than it would usually look during the summer, but... Well, that would be summer in Pittsburgh too, to be fair. Yeah, but most years it just never feels like it's warm. True, true. You never yeah. get that vibe from anybody. <laughs> There's a few scenes where you can see breath. Right, yeah. 
They also filmed in McCandless, which is basically right outside my apartment oh, yeah. almost. Right. And then Beaver County and Moon. Wow. Everyone not from Pittsburgh thinking that we only name places after yeah, that... vaginas and butts. <laughs> <laughs> well, that Stardust Lounge is like not very far from where you and I used to work yeah. in the Moon area, which it also kind of seems like a David Bowie focused area moon stardust Matola was coming off of super bad and i think that in a weird way that was working against this movie in terms of marketing definitely i remember them pushing that in the trailers or whatever and they from used the, the most super bad slapsticky yes raunchy parts of the movie to try to push it as a follow-up to super bad which i think contributed to my less than enthused first impression of the film. Yeah. I saw it in the theater opening weekend expecting something like Superbad, a nonstop comedy. Right. And this movie is a comedy, but it's also a drama, and it's a completely different vibe than Superbad. So if you're advertising it to be one way, and then you go in expecting that, you're going to be a little confused. And it took me a second time, I think, to really get into this movie. And now I've watched it probably a dozen times oh, yeah. at least. Yeah, I didn't see it in the theater, but it was a pretty quick rental for me, like as soon as it was available. I was surprised when you said it made $17 million. I, Even though it was from the director of Superbad, it, it seemed like a, a limited release. I don't think it was. It just didn't have a ton of fanfare. Right, yeah. I think it came out in March or something. Yeah. It was a weird release. One of the major things about Adventureland that jumps out to anyone watching it with good taste in music is the the soundtrack. There's 41 oh, yeah. songs licensed for the film. It seems surprising for a smaller budget movie. And there's a lot of songs in this. Yeah, I would say a good portion of those 41 probably aren't the most expensive. Well, that's true. They're a little yeah. more obscure. A little niche, yeah. Big Star, The Replacements, Husker Du, Lou Reed, NXS. The Plus Outfield. a few of the 80s. <laughs> yeah, big hits i do think that if we edited our original adventureland episode the way we do now there's probably only like 30 minutes of content even though it's 59 minutes (laughs) 29 minutes of dead air (laughs) well yeah there might be talking but it probably would have got cut (laughs) (laughs) just nonsense the only reason i point that out is because even though this is a revisited episode i still don't think it's going to be particularly long it's not that long of a movie and frankly not that much happens it's more you're just living in this world for a little bit yeah it's a movie about nostalgia and vibes and just that feeling you get when you're young and you're in love and it's summertime and anything can happen but it also hurts so much oh i know and you your emotions are so powerful because folks once you get into your mid to late 30s there's nothing exciting again you don't care about anything anymore and you can't imagine feeling this way (laughs) you find out that M is fucking somebody else all summer. You're just like, who gives a shit? Yeah, I know. I don't care. So typical. <laughs> Similarly to the movie Go, and you know I'm a sucker for oh, this, yeah, when right. the music starts over the studio logo. Definitely. Yeah, that, and this is like the Miramax City logo, too. Yeah, or Bastards like the, of yeah. Young starts playing over the Miramax logo. Right. It's awesome. And this movie is a period piece. It's set in 1987, and we're introduced to James, played by... Jesse Eisenberg, and he is getting dumped as his final semester in college at Oberlin is coming to a close with a party. So just like the social network oh yeah, opening on Eisenberg getting dumped, 
It's like his move. His friends are supportive and yet also frustrated with James because they have told him not to immediately tell a girl that he's dating, that he's a virgin. Yeah, who does this remind you of? (laughs) They refer to it as the Scarlet V. Yeah. His friend Eric is played by Michael Zegan. Yeah. Who basically transitioned to be in a lot of TV series. Yeah, we thought this guy was like on the verge of being a guy. He has a knew. look. He has a look and a charisma. I think he was Bugsy Siegel on Boardwalk Empire. Yeah. Was he the one in Francis Ha? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think in 1987, despite what a lot of guys would boast and claim, I, I wouldn't be surprised if more people left college as virgins. I don't think it was like that crazy in 87. Yeah. I don't know. I stayed local for college, so I don't really know what the experience is for people that go away and live on campuses and stuff. I'm not saying it's over 50% or anything like that, but I'm just saying I don't think it's like you can understand Carell how it would happen. Yeah, right. Or yes, something. you can I, understand someone who well that could have happened a few times, but it didn't. I do buy that to yeah. some degree, you know. And M seems to roll with it. Yeah. She kind of is. Yeah, she's not like check, please. Amused by it, yeah. but she doesn't seem. I think she horrified. thinks it's sweet. Yeah. The crew is making big plans to tour Europe that summer before James goes to graduate school in pursuit of a career in journalism. However, his parents have to break the news to him that his father is now making less money, and they will be unable to support him financially, not only for this trip but also as far as rent money to attend grad school. So all of this means summer job in Pittsburgh on the yeah. horizon. He is bummed, but he does roll with it pretty well. I think I would be like pretty devastated if I was building up this giant summer European trip. I know there's nothing you can do, but I yeah. think I'd go into a pretty big depression. <laughs> well, you could argue that he is in a big depression yeah, for a while true. until M pulls him out of yeah, it. Yeah, I guess he still thinks, okay, well, this is not ideal, but... I'm going to work this summer, save some money. I should still be able to swing grad school in New York. I don't know how he thinks he's going to do that exactly. but Even by the end of the movie, he's trying to get this plan back on the rails. And you're like, well, I'm not sure, man. His parents are played by Jack Gilpin and Wendy Malick. Both pretty strong, I think. (laughs) Yeah, his dad hiding his alcoholism. It's a sad scene. Hiding it in plain sight a few times. Just making margaritas and cocktails like in the middle of the day yeah and like breaking shit while doing it (laughs) oh come on (laughs) i'm feeling like it's supposed to be implied that his alcoholism has something to do with his demotion probably yeah summer in pittsburgh that's fucking harsh it's a nightmare they don't like people like me where i'm from you know we're romantics i read poetry for pleasure sometimes yeah well you know what, don't worry about it, all right? You know, with my dad's connections, we'll get a great deal on an apartment. And, uh, hey, I'll float you for the first few months. Yeah? Yeah. Thank you so much, Eric. Hey, don't worry about it. What the hell are you doing? Our parents are right over there. What, them? They're clueless. Fuck, this is good weed. Speaking of which, I just want you to know that you'll be with me in spirit this summer. Hey, yeah, put that away. take it. No, take it. No. Take it. Okay. Look, James, I know things suck right now, all right? But look at it this way. In a few short months, you'll be with me in New York City, the greatest fucking city in the world, like we always talked about, man. Living the adventure together. Quit worrying, Brennan. 
That's what the weed is for. Eric makes sure to supply James with a gift for the summer, which is a bag of joints. Yeah, that's right. This little place that they're at is like, you can almost see that building that Lindsay and I used to live in from here. It's like yeah, I know. They're supposed to be at Oberlin in Ohio, yeah. but it's clearly <laughs> still in Pittsburgh. It's a devastating job hunt for young James as he realizes he's not even qualified for manual labor. So he can't really figure out what to do. I feel like this is still, like to, to this day, like a tough thing. For most degrees that you graduate with, you're like, huh, now how do I get a job? I do think it probably wouldn't be that hard to get hired at a restaurant. Well, that's true. Th- yeah. Yes, I don't know that he would be able to necessarily get hired to be like a cement mixer. But right, right. He should be able to get hired at the restaurant. I agree with that. That's That seems like a stretch that he can't get a restaurant But maybe job. they weren't really hiring. I don't know. We meet Tommy Frigo played by Matt Bush. We all recognize this type of character, this type of person that would be in your life. Yeah, he is James's childhood friend, and James has clearly outgrown him. Frigo's obsessed with punching James in the balls. Really a rough character trait to have. Just an animal, yeah. really. <laughs> but Frigo works at a place called Adventureland. It's the local theme park, and... It seems to be within bike riding distance of wherever James's house is. I guess so. I know my whole life, mostly growing up in Pittsburgh, I grew up in an area that really wasn't close to Kennywood, so no. I always think of it as far. Like yeah. I would think, you know, who lives over there? But I guess people do live close to it. True. It just seems sort of an isolated place in my mind. Yeah, yeah. Just because I am not in that part of the city. And then in reality, I think the houses that they're showing as the neighborhood is over in McCandless, which is far away. Right. That would be a far bike ride. This is that thing that Actually, people who live in L.A. always talk about when they yeah. see movies because they never really follow the reality of how L.A. is laid out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but Adventureland is looming as a last resort slash only option for James as far as getting a job. His parents almost don't want him to. Adventureland is so looked down on. I know. It becomes a thing even with M's stepmother where she's like, she's only working at that park to embarrass us. (laughs) (laughs) It's that bad? Yeah, I guess. (laughs) Well, there's some riffraff. There's almost a stabbing incident over one of these games. Uh, I don't have much work experience, per se, but... um, I'm sorry. Bobby? Oh, they're gone. This is James, and he's uh, applying for a games job. Games? Oh, great. Uh, Good. Let's get you set up. Actually, Bobby, I prefer a rides job if it's still open. You look more like a games guy, plus I got at the games okay. application. So, uh, okay. all right. Yeah, no, I My name is Bobby. Okay, rules. No freebies. No free turns for your friends. No free upgrades. No free food. So just nothing is free here. Uh, everybody has to pay for everything. And more importantly, uh, working in games, no one ever wins a giant ass panda. Yeah, we don't have that many left. Cool. Can you give me a t-shirt, please? Here, I have a resume. I don't know if you still want to take a look at it. Um, uh, James, am I pronouncing that right? James? James? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> okay, by accepting this t-shirt, you are... Hired. Well, Sorry. usually a... More of a ceremonial thing. Sorry. The t-shirt. Okay, new guy, let's get this over with. Here we are at the 
first of many shitty games. This one is inexplicably called The Flying Dutchman. Even more inexplicable is how they decided to spell it. Hey, Jerry. One dollar buys five rings. If one of the rings lands on one of the red bottles, they win a giant ass panda. That is a giant ass panda. Yeah, it's the best prize in the park. And that's because this game is unwinnable. Observe. I'll drop a ring from three inches away. So nobody ever wins? If someone wins a giant ass panda on your watch, you should just go home because you're fired, okay? James does end up at Adventureland, though, and he's hired by Bobby and Paulette, played by Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig, who actually only spent four days on set each with their time away from SNL. I remember you telling me that maybe the first time we did this. <laughs> well, there's going to be some cross. No, no, yeah, it's but it feels like they're in a lot of scenes. So but they're not, though. Yeah. That's the thing. I they, guess, yeah, they're they just, just woven in. Yeah, they just use them at the right times. Right. And it makes it seem like they're always there. But they're really only in a couple of scenes. Yeah. I love both of them in this movie, though. I mean, I love both of them in general. But uh, they're great in this. James is hired, and he's going to be a games guy, even though he's pushing to be a rides guy. No, no, you're more of a games guy. Plus, I already got the games sheet. <laughs> And his mentor, I guess, in the games universe at the park is a guy named Joel, played by Martin Starr, and he takes James under his wing and shows him the ropes. Joel is kind of a tough guy to deal with. You feel some sympathy for him, especially when you put the pieces together and and sort of realize that despite his kind of gross commentary on Lisa P, he's actually pretty much in love with M. Yeah. And just can't say anything. And he actually, when you really break it down, is kind of annoying. Because you're just like, dude, say something right. at some point. Don't just fucking let everything happen and then get mad about it. But anyway. <laughs> Which does happen. He studied Russian literature and Slavic languages in college. Yeah. And he it, smokes a pipe. Yeah. <laughs> I love the part when the girl asks him about what, he's like, what he can do for a career. With that background, he's like, cabbie, marijuana delivery man. James is warned up front that no one should be winning the giant-ass panda and also is shown that the games are pretty much rigged so that people can't actually win a giant-ass panda. I'm 100% sure the first time we did this that I talked about winning the stacker game. Uh (laughs) I love this story. I'm sure people might be familiar with that game it's like that thing with the blocks going by and you have to stack them all the way to the top and then you can win like a crazy prize they always put video game systems in there and like 500 hundred dollar gift cards or whatever and i played this one this was at pittsburgh mills mall yeah Yeah. at this movie theater for a long time and then finally won and i selected a nintendo wii as the prize this was like 2009 so it was a pretty big deal but it nothing happens when you do it, and I'm just standing there. I'm like, what the fuck? But the whole machine is like blinking and going crazy. <laughs> actually, I think I called a number on the machine, and then they oh, told no. me where to go find this person because there was like actually an arcade somewhere in the mall. It was like a real tiny, shitty thing. And then I had to go get this girl, and <laughs> we were joking at the time that she was like going to get fired because like no one's supposed to win this game. <laughs> it was the exact same vibe. Yeah, because. Even though they say that those are games of skill and not games of chance, because that's technically gambling, those machines are technically designed so that there's only one win in ever and however many plays. Right. 
that's just the way they're set. Like it's impossible to win, even though that's technically illegal. But that is how they are. So enough people had played so that I could win. Yeah, yeah. And that finally happened. <laughs> <laughs> this poor employee fired yeah. immediately. <laughs> that was a wild summer of playing the wasting so much i probably spent enough for a nintendo wii at the time and then finally won one and then i sold it on craigslist i do love the giant ass panda joke though i can remember going to like whatever not just like even amusement parks but even when they do like the local fairs once a year you know like a millvale days or something and (laughs) like you'd always see these stands set up with giant ass panda equivalents you know what i mean but like when you won a game they just toss you what you would just get like the banana with googly eyes right you're like does anybody ever win these giant things hanging up no no they don't it's all an illusion they really in yep at the end of the first day james spots m played by Kristen stewart this is one of three movies with eisenberg and stewart together american ultra and i think that Woody Allen movie. I think it's a cafe society. Oh yeah. Yeah. So they've sort of been a pair a couple of times. This is by far the best of those movies. I believe early on in his run at Adventureland, James is in the midst of being scammed for a giant ass panda. When M arrives to save him from potentially being stabbed later, everyone's hanging around after close. And this is the first time we hear of the legend of Connell, who will be played by Ryan Reynolds, and how he once jammed with Lou Reed. The redhead Sue is played by Paige Howard, Bryce Dallas's younger sister, I believe. Oh, I didn't realize that. Frigo continuing the ball taps. Yeah, in a pretty bad moment here. Yeah, doing it in front of everyone. Including M. M, what the hell was that? James, it's just my life. Yeah. (laughs) This whole scene is one of many that just feels like cut right out of life. One of these hangout at the end of a shift moments where everyone's just kind of like, whatever, passing around a beer, friggin' Joel's smoking a pipe, the aimless hanging out. It just really hits. I think the world has changed because of online dating and apps and... And different things like that, uh-huh. and the and just the internet. But if you go back in time, even like when we were in high school and then college and then working our first jobs and stuff, when you look back on that time period, you then realize even though you were always waiting to be done with whatever you were doing, school, work, uh-huh. whatever, you're forced into an environment yes. with people your age, and then you meet people, and then you have like a common thing, and you're spending all this time, and then. Nature takes its course. That if you was will. the way. It was the way. Yeah. I Infinite think when you get summer older, camp. When you get older, you just sort of don't have as many of those situations and you realize you miss them. Yeah. Just hanging out after work and everyone's talking and having a good time and everything. M offers James a ride home and now we're off to the races. I think we know where we're going. Monroeville Mall sighting very briefly when they're driving here. You see the sign. Famous for being the setting of Dawn of the Dead. That's right. M is currently at NYU, so she has not graduated from college yet. Although, as you mentioned, she is drinking at a bar, so it seems like she's probably going into her senior year. Still doing that move where you're coming back to Pittsburgh for the summer? Yeah. I don't know. It seems like at a certain age, if you're going to school in a place like New York City, it becomes like a year-long living yeah that was kind of how it was for my sister mostly but i think she likes working at adventureland yeah it's fun (laughs) it pisses her stepmom off right 
the one thing that James and M have in common is that they're both pseudo intellectuals endlessly posing trying to seem smart and cool but they're also trying to find themselves it's very real to this time period where they have these lofty goals and ambitions and they're (laughs) saying all this stupid crap to each other (laughs) james is like so specific as to what he wants to do and then when she drops him off, she says that she has to go meet a friend. And then we stay with M as she drives to the Stardust Lounge, but we don't yeah. know what she's doing or what she's talking about yet. And it is one of those moments that also feels like it rings true because when you're in a situation like this and a girl is dropping you off at night, wow, okay, great night. That was it. And then they're like, no, I'm going to do something else. And you're like, what? <laughs> There's well, still more to happen in the night? They just met. Yeah. She's. Doesn't owe him an explanation. No, I, no, no, I know, but it just seems like I can't believe she even has another thing on the agenda. Oh, yeah, these nights never end. Yeah. <laughs> because I think, I don't know what time Adventureland closes in the canon I, I of this think, movie, but... I, I'm thinking, like, they're getting out of there, like, after 10. I think Kennywood is open till like, midnight, isn't oh, it? Oh, wow, I don't know. I'm not sure. I have no but idea. But that's if that's the case, that's really wild. So we meet Connell the next day. We've heard of him so far. It is crazy that a maintenance guy at an amusement park looks like Ryan Reynolds. (laughs) The whole deal with this character is pretty obvious, I think, to the viewer up front that he's completely full of shit, but he's super charming, and everyone kind of goes along with it. And the younger people, i.e. these kids that work there, believe him because they're not old enough yet to quite see that he's... Yeah, a sham. Yeah, he's kind of like mcconaughey and days the confused right he's just hanging around these younger people a little bit he's married even his wife sort of seems in the lifestyle to some degree <laughs> the <You know>? lifestyle <laughs> <laughs> the lifestyle of loserdom <laughs> you know working in a bar going to his shows yeah and you're reaching that point where it gets kind of lame because he's well into his 30s and he's still talking about making it as a musician and a rock star and right. stuff. and you're just thinking my god dude it's not happening yeah if it hasn't happened yet i don't think it's gonna be happening right (laughs) but he's always got this story of going to la to find better musicians and start a band yeah yeah it's just talk this was in that time period pre-deadpool where everyone sort of knew that ryan reynolds was going to be a big deal but it just kept not happening for year after year after year i will say it, it is surprising that he's in this I don't think he was that big of a star in 2009. Okay. Until Deadpool came out, and then he went to that A-list. He was not really an A-list star yet. You had Van Wilder, but that was sort of a raunchy teen thing. You had fun movies like Just Friends. Yeah. But we did that Green Lantern movie, was yeah? But it was a huge bomb. bomb that, like, I think set him back. Yeah, yeah. And then once the Deadpool thing happened, and then. I think things transitioned to where now he's considered A-list and everything. But it just kept not happening. And and I think it's kind of crazy because everyone could kind of see he was funny and charming and really good looking and everything. But it just wasn't coming together with a big hit. And then finally it went to that next level in the last, I don't know, eight years or whatever it's been. With her father and stepmother out of town, M throws a party and invites the Adventureland crew... James and M seem pretty in line with each other as far as interests and taste in music, etc. It's a natural yeah. fit. A couple of big star fans. Come on. 
Is anybody else coming in here? It's just, just us. Yeah, okay. See, it's not so bad. No, <laughs> it's okay. No, it's okay. <laughs> Do you have any more of that pot? Um, yeah, at home. Why? We should make pot cookies. <laughs> okay. That would be so fun. You would, have you have you done that? I have not. I've had cookies. Right. <laughs> My connections have all dried up. That's why I'm asking. Your connections have dried up? What do you think? I have like ties to the underworld? I own five <laughs> joints. Do you think I'm like put out a hit on somebody? Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. Oh, do you want to come in? <laughs> I got the door. That's only three feet, so I can handle it. Okay. Let me get a drink. Okay. Do you want one? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'll meet you inside. I'll meet you inside. Okay. Okay. M goes for a swim, obviously hopeful that James will join her, and he does. They're the only two that go into the pool. Yeah, talk about like a perfect setup for James. If he had any balls, he just would have went straight nude. (laughs) (laughs) No, I only swim nude, thank you. Although that would have been probably a much better look than these underwear that he's rocking. (laughs) I know. I never really get why guys did that or still do that yeah it's not a great look no no (laughs) it's never been a great look nope they play around in the pool they don't really kiss but they're sort of yeah on each other a little bit and then there's a boner situation which is never not funny (laughs) (laughs) the whole sequence is great where he won't get out of the pool and she seems confused and then she finally goes inside then the second the second he steps on that ladder frigo boner <laughs> man how mortifying that would be though yeah everyone at the party's laughing yeah M would have to hear about it i the, think the, M's just a cool chick she yeah, doesn't yeah. get bothered by anything no no it's natural boner you got a boner brennan's got a boner <laughs> a little bit more of M's backstory here. She's very angsty, with good reason. Her mom died two years ago, and she hates her stepmother. There's obviously a lot of anger that is unexpressed towards her father right? for meeting this woman at Temple, where he didn't really go to church, and then when his wife gets sick, he tries to get closer to God, I guess, to maybe help her, and then he meets this other woman, and mm-hmm. then the twist is this other woman lost her hair from stress and wears a wig, and M finds that ironic because yep. her mother was losing her hair from chemo. Dad seems a little beat down. Not really a guy to take a stand. Everything's going great. Young love, right? We're on track. The whole summer, the infinite summer, uh-huh. just yawning in front of them, and then, oh, but wait, here's the <laughs> twist. Here's the turn. Oh, boy. After the party, Connell 
who is married, shows up and has sex with M, revealing their secret affair. Boom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Poor James. How did you react to that the first time you saw it? I don't know. I probably was just like the typical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think that this movie ends up doing a pretty good job of spreading around the shitty behavior. Definitely. In a way that doesn't ruin anyone. No one does anything unforgivable or anything like that. But it very easily could have just portrayed M as a bitch or a slut for yeah, not yeah. revealing this to James sooner. But then you you sort of realize that James is selfish too. And everyone is just selfish at this age. They're all just like figuring it out. Everyone's like kind of fragile. You know, you kind of react to things harshly and then you'll make decisions and actions based off of either actions that happened or somebody telling you something. What could dictate your actions was just so fluid. Like, it could be anything. Yeah, and everyone's operating under the idea of what is the easiest and fastest way to have my needs met? How can I feel good? How can I be happy? Right. How can I get what I want? And that's just how people are at that age. Everyone has probably been in toxic relationships or toxic situations in their late teens, early 20s. Some people mature a little bit faster and and aren't really participating in as much drama once they get out of college. But I still think that that first year or two, if you're not already in a serious relationship where you're going to get married, then there's still a lot of this bullshit going on. But even though we might be feeling down for James right now because things seem a little darker and a little more complicated than we would have thought, there is something pretty monumental for the world of Adventureland on the horizon. Lisa P's back! Lisa P's back! Lisa P? Did you hear that? Lisa P's back! Lisa P's back! I'll make you a star. Brennan, Brennan, Lisa P's back! Who's Lisa P? You mother of crap, who's Lisa P? That's Lisa P. Come on. Come on. Have you ever heard those platonic ideal that asks a higher truth look look at that middle portal of light just below the crotch right where the thigh meets the pudendum the pudendum are you pre-med i'm telling you man i've had dreams about that diamond shape portal she's coming over here man be cool okay i'll try to hold it together hey lisa hey kelly hey joe so i didn't expect you to, to be back here oh man i had my whole summer like mapped out Laying out by the pool by day, dancing by night. My dad got injured on the job. He's laid up, so I gotta help out. Sorry to hear that. My mom has shingles. Oh, well, I gotta go run the Music Express. I don't want Paul that bitching out of my first day. I'm Lisa. James. I heard you lost a giant ass panda at knife point. Did you? Guess my legend precedes me. What? Uh, uh, it's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, James. Bye, Lisa. Bye, Kelly. Lisa P. is back. <laughs> Lisa P., played by Margarita Laviva? I'm not really 100% sure how to say her name. Uh, me neither. She's a little bit older than everyone else in this movie. 
She was already like 29, the actress, yeah, but okay. it adds sort of something to her character where she seems a little bit more advanced, I guess. And cooler than everyone. She's the queen of the scene. Everyone who is a guy who works at Adventureland seems obsessed with her. And the one thing that I think you pick up on the more times you watch it is how she's immediately intrigued by James because at first he doesn't seem to care that yeah. much. And I think she immediately picks up on it. Like, right. why does this guy not care? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is weird. It's one of the weirder things to follow why she is interested in James. But yeah, there's probably a lot to that. She's worshipped by the park and James is just sort of like, yeah, okay, whatever. He's wrapped around M's finger right. already, which means that he is sort of loyal. I think there is a sweet naivete to James, even though that sometimes backfires in his personal life. Well, just from even the beginning of the movie, you do get this sense that the smallest hint of something happening, he's immediately starting to be like, we're soulmates. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's it's a leap for him once something starts going. Yeah. Joel is like, holy shit, here she comes. And he's like, all right, I'll try to hold it together. Yeah. Like, doesn't seem that interested. <laughs> and so she's drawn to him. In this moment, it is very funny, but Joel does go a little wild. I would say that it, it kind of crosses into more than just casual sexism. <laughs> I'd say so, yeah. But it is a unique way, I guess, of talking about a woman's body. Some good lines, <laughs> definitely. That ass is a higher truth. I love that James gives M what he describes as like my ultimate bummer mixtape. <laughs> Dude, this is a Matt move. To the fullest. I know. It's disturbing how much you remind me of James. Just a complete loser. (laughs) Making mixtapes of just sad music. (laughs) Here, have fun. Play it with your girlfriends. Yeah. It's always very attractive to reveal like how depressed you are immediately. (laughs) Like, oh yeah, we're gonna have tons of fun together. Yeah. Em and James go hang out at the Stardust Lounge and as I said, there is a sweet naivete, and as I said, it does sort of backfire sometimes. And I think that James is so embarrassing and presumptuous in this scene where he's like, I feel like I have to tell you, I had my heart broken recently, Ugh. and you're like, okay. Yuck. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Like, way to keep some mystique, James. But you're still at a point where she could just say, okay, why are you telling me this? Yeah. Like, she's not even on the same page. He's just assuming... That she, they're on the same page. I know. She is a good sport, though, because she's just immediately like, that sucks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. M is the best. Yeah. I feel like I should uh, tell you. Tell me what? Yeah, I had I had my heart broken recently. Um, is that a... I don't know. I just thought I should tell you. That sucks. Yeah. Who broke your heart? The girl at school. Yeah, it was typical. I actually... I think there was... I think there was something there. I think we actually had, like, potential. I don't know. I think she... I think she was afraid. Afraid of what? I don't know. Afraid of it being good or something. Was the sex good? She was very sexy. You've been with a lot of girls? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are we talking about, like, uh... Like, intercourse, specifically? No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um... No, in that case, uh, there were actually a few times that I, yeah, the few times I could have done that, but it wasn't, it wasn't uh, exactly right. Wait, so you're telling me you're a virgin? Uh, there were circumstances. Oh my um, god. <laughs> no, oh my god. <laughs> I will. T- okay. Um, all right. For example, uh, junior year, I was dating this girl, uh, Betsy Cook. Betsy was kind of like, um, 
which is kind of a prude, actually. Um, anyway, one day I was reading uh, Shakespeare, and I realized I don't really love this person. Yeah. It was one of the sonnets. Um, uh, being your slave, what should I do but tend upon the hours and times of your desires? And I realized I don't want to tend to Betsy's hours or her times. I mean, that, that doesn't matter. Anyway, I drove to Betsy's house and I was literally about to tell her. And that's the night she said she wanted to have sex. Can you believe it? It was the same, you know, it was the same night, so. And you didn't just fuck her anyway? Hmm? No. So, uh, what about you and, uh, intercourse? Can you stop saying intercourse? Sure, sure. Uh, I don't know, there was, there were guys in high school and then, like, there were other ones. Hmm. Were you in love with any of them? No. <sighs> Hell no. And then he reveals that he's a virgin and then he's, like, launching into a whole thing where he's like, I was reading uh, Shakespeare. Oh, no. That whole story, you're yeah. like, my God. <laughs> Just up. kill yourself. Yeah, it's rough. Mm-hmm. Connell shows up with his wife, Ronnie, and there is some weirdness there. Obviously, we, the viewers, yeah. already know what the weirdness is, but James is oblivious. And then M says, their marriage is sad. He didn't want it. Now he's trapped. <laughs> yeah, now M, an embarrassment. James just says, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it is such a weird thing to say. Some of the responses to the things in this movie are pretty funny. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but you can totally put yourself in that seat not knowing that something is up there, and you would be like, well, what am I supposed to say to that? Yeah. I think I would probably be like, well, why do you think that? Yeah, what Did is he, he like, telling share you? share that with you? James ends up being involved in a love triangle, or even a love square, if you count Ronnie, that he's not even aware of. Right. And now we're listening to Pale Blue Eyes, and then they have their first kiss. They're yeah. under that bridge. Which we talked about characters reacting to things and that kind of dictating how things go i was thinking this time around is there a little bit her seeing connell with his wife maybe pushes this a little bit well she gets out of the car and he follows her and then he grabs her and turns her around it's his move yeah he goes for it he starts it but yeah i think one of the interesting things to track in this movie is m's guilt and her emotions because you once you've actually seen the movie and you know what's coming and you sort of are at a bigger picture with it, you can see how different things affect her and then what her responses are to those things. And they do make it clear that she's not some emotionless, terrible person. She definitely is guilty about a lot of stuff and doesn't know what to do and everything becomes a mess yeah. much faster than she could have anticipated. James uses Joel as a sounding board, telling him about what happened with M and kissing her and everything. And Yeah, really, the one guy that doesn't want to hear about Joel it. Joel just seething. Yeah. <laughs> and then Connell, who now has seen James out with M, starts doing recon work with James, who is oblivious. Yeah. He's asking him all these questions, and then throughout the movie, Connell subtly pushes him in different directions True. to try to influence him perhaps to not end up with M, which is sort of pathetic and gross. Yeah. Although I do think that there are parts of the Connell thing that it seems like he has a sincere like for James too. To some degree, it, it feels there's some sincerity there. 
Yeah, it doesn't seem totally fake, right. but he knows that he's got something over definitely James secretly. One of the places that he goes to with M yes. in secret is his mom's house. Very romantic. It seems like in her basement is almost a full apartment down there. Yeah. And for whatever reason, his mom is just oblivious, I guess. She's old, doesn't There's know what's some going on. problems there, it seems. She's dramatic. So this is a place where he takes girls so that his wife won't find out. It's a swirl of summer romances and secrets. M is with Connell while Lisa P inquires about James's weed stash and then they smoke together. This is an awesome scene. I know Definitely. you feel the same. Lisa P and James in those discarded ride carts yeah. on the hill overlooking what seemed to be like the more working class neighborhoods yeah, of yeah, Pittsburgh for sure. at dusk. Greg Matola is probably far from a director that would be known for like his visual style. But I think that this and a, a few other shots in this movie are absolutely incredible. Like I love this one, and then also when he's on the hillside later with Joel and Frigo, yeah. and they're just like drinking those beers, and Frigo's like firing off like fireworks. It reminds or me of the cover of that Hey Mercedes yeah. album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lisa P and James have this weird connection. I think it's because James treats her like a person. True. Where he expresses interest in her father who's injured, which is forcing her to work for the summer because she didn't really want to. And he's not asking her for anything. He never asks to go out with her. He never tries to hit right. on her. So I think that's why she's kind of attracted to him. And it looks great. It's bluish. It's at dusk. It's fantastic. But it doesn't look like a summer night. That's right. It definitely it looks like a winter sense. night. Yeah. <laughs> it's July 4th, and they're enjoying the fireworks. Even James's pretentiousness can't ruin this. Eventually, M just sort of grabs him and is like, shut up. Yeah. Just watch these fucking fireworks. <laughs> There's some tense drama at M's house. I didn't really put a lot about this in the notes because it almost seems like it belongs in another movie because there's already so much drama with the relationships. Like, I think we get it pretty early on. And then later in the movie, it takes it to that next level of awkwardness. Yes. Where you get it. You get why M is acting out and why she's taking it out on her stepmother because she's so embarrassed and upset about what just happened in, yeah. that, in that moment later. But She does seem a little over the top on it, though. Yeah, you could just go to your room and close yeah, the door, yeah. I guess, and then seethe. Right. <laughs> I get it. I get that she's mad, but her anger is sort of misdirected. It should yeah. be more at her dad, I guess. Right. This woman doesn't seem that bad, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, come on. Lisa P. dances all day at work. Yeah. To mostly Amadeus. <laughs> she runs a oh, ride no. but then dances i don't know i love that the ongoing bit of that song continuing to play with this ride connell and james go to connell's mom's house in the middle of the workday. connell's got to calm a situation with his mother and this is important for later yeah because they need to establish that james knows where this is right it's just become part of the James aura now at the park that everybody knows that he just has these like baby joints all the time. Yeah. Because that's why Connell has him come. Well, he also wants to do a little more recon work. That's true. There's some hints here that Connell is full of shit when he doesn't recognize Lou Reed on the car stereo. Just bizarre. But James doesn't see it yet and he isn't really wary of connell at all and he says out loud that he thinks he's in love with M. yeah wild 
Yeah. I don't know if we were ready for you to be there yet, James. Even us as the audience, we're like, okay, (laughs) hold on. Yeah, you do gotta love James, though. It all comes crashing down later, and he feels like such an idiot, but he really kind of just takes everything that everybody says at face value. He just throws himself into everything. Yeah. You have to admire it, but at the same time, shake your head and think, oh, God. (laughs) He's not guarded at all. Yeah, yeah. Well, boy, it might have been a better time in life when you were, but I gotta tell you, mine was well before this age a little crew gets together to hit up razzmatazz which is the local dance club it's a disco two for tuesdays <laughs> yeah big night ronnie works there connell's wife she's actually played by someone who on imdb is credited as vanessa hope i believe but on the credits of the movie it says vanessa wanger okay she's kind of got like a 90s gwyneth paltrow vibe to her yeah I don't really think she did much acting. She's, like, produced some random stuff or something. I don't know. I was looking at her IMDb. I'm like, who is this? Okay. Who is this gorgeous creature? Yeah, yeah. Why didn't it happen more for her? (laughs) Lisa P. just strutting on the dance floor. Oh, yeah. Just peacocking it. (laughs) Everyone, all eyes on her at Uh all times. So the couples out are Sue and Joel. Sue is a redhead played by Paige Howard and M and James. It's almost like a double date in a weird way. Yeah. Eventually, Sue gets drunk and is making out with Joel. She even says, I'm so surprised I'm making out with you. <laughs> One of the all-time great make-out lines. Oh, yeah. Familiar territory. But unlike Sue and Joel, who are getting along just fine under the influence of alcohol. Yeah, it's not happening tonight for M and James here. M throws a little bit of a roadblock. She says that there's a lot of shit in her life. And she wants to take things slow. James probably assumes that she's talking about her home life, but the reality is we know that she's talking about the whole Connell uh-huh. sitch. Well, and Connell told her, right? The, the your boyfriend. Thing. Yeah. He said, quote, I think I'm in love with her. <laughs> Such a dick thing to do. Yeah, that is like a brutal beatdown. And then later when she mentions that well i don't want to ruin everything yeah. but she says something to him and he's like what did you want me to rat james out it's like you've done it already <laughs> really yeah this is the part of the movie where you can feel a little bit embarrassed for him there's a few times and this is one of them because clearly she's so naive that she thinks that what's going on with connell is not just sex for him mm-hmm. that it actually might be something and that maybe he would leave his wife she never says anything like that, right, but that's right. sort of the implication yeah. is that, like, yeah, I can't just stop seeing Connell because I have feelings for him, and this is real. This is something. Yeah, yeah. And eventually she realizes... There was another girl last summer in the well, mom's no, basement. In, her, in fairness to her, yeah. she breaks up with him first. Sure. Before she learns about that. That's just added humiliation after the fact. Right. She eventually comes to the right conclusion on her own, but at this point, she seems to want to take things slow... With James, because James is already announcing that he's in love with her, and then also she's got all this other shit going on that she doesn't really know what to do with. But the fact that she's pursuing this James thing at all, obviously is an indication that she's not 100% in on this Connell thing happening. Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah. She's definitely not happy about it. She makes, like, digs. Yeah, yeah. Like, how's the sex? Are you still having sex with your wife? He's still hot for your wife? He's like, why would you say that to me? (laughs) (laughs) So... Enter Lisa P. Mm-hmm. He didn't hit on her. Check. He asked about her dad and his injury. 
Check. Oh. He's going out with a different girl from the park. Check. Okay. He's probably completely different from the type of dudes that Lisa P's already bored with. Check. This a lot is, of things going for him. Uh, in this this is the uh, blueprint how to date the hottest chick in whatever environment. Theoretically. Yeah, yeah. In the movies. Sure. I think in real life, probably not. I think Greg Matola getting a little creative with his history at Adventureland. I'm sure it wasn't quite this fun. Uh-huh. You have like girls fighting sure, over sure. him. Sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> While James and Lisa P are talking early one morning, this other guy comes up. I can't remember his name. He's like the douchebag who's yeah, his yeah. brother. Just hateable. He's trying to ask her out, and he's just so obnoxious and terrible. Yeah, one of the best scenes in any movie ever, really. He's like, so it's official. <laughs> hey. I'll be working at the BMW dealership. Yeah. I'll get in the car, deduct it from my check. Yeah. He's just like, shut up. <laughs> and he's talking about getting like floor seats. Well, you are just like, too. What, Judas Priest. Would this just be the whole check? Good God. Who knows what he's talking yeah, about? He asks her out to the concert, and she ha- just has the best answer ever. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then she asks James out in front of him, and he doesn't believe it. It's just a it's a great scene. Yeah, yeah. Hey. Oh. Let me help you with that. I got it. Wow. That is ugly. Thanks. Hey, so, um, how's your dad? I was hanging in there. Yeah? Still, uh, still not working? No, no. The music! These rides are safe, right? Supposedly. I wouldn't mess around in any of them. Last summer, there was this drunk idiot goofing around in the Comet Buster, trying to kick his buddy. They found his Reebok in the parking lot. With his foot in it. Yeah, Lisa. We're partners today. Great. Mm, so it's official. My friend Boomer hooked me up with a job at the Mercedes dealership on Route 30. Yeah, I get in a car right away. Payments deducted from my check. Yeah, I'm gonna go for a 560. Convertible, gold, leather interior. I'm even gonna get a compact disc player. Oh, it's gonna be insane. <laughs> to the max. So Haley, you wanna go see Judas Priest at Civic Arena? My friend Fitzy got me floor seats, so. Um, that's okay. Take Boomer. Oh, and go get the hose. There's dried puke down there. <laughs> you don't like Priest? I'm busy that night. I didn't tell you what night. James. Hmm. You and I should go out tonight. Oh, I get it. <laughs> that's a funny one. What <laughs> face? <laughs> Douche. <laughs> Just let me know when. Puke. James confides in Connell that Lisa P asked him out on a date, and even Connell's impressed slash blown away. I think even it, Connell's like, really? Lisa I know, and, and I guess maybe it's like a credit to Ryan Reynolds, because this is one of these scenes where you're like, yes, he has reasons to try to like drive a wedge between James and M, but you're kind of just like 100% just buying that he's like, dude, you got to go for it. Like, unrelated <laughs> to the M thing, you know? That's the way it feels. James feels rejected by M, even though he probably shouldn't yet. No. It's Lisa P. You're an idiot if you don't do it. So he thinks there's an opening, and of course, Connell's pushing in that direction. (laughs) Yeah. Your love by the outfield is playing, and that's when Joel tries to follow up with Sue, and 
Sue makes this way worse than it really needs to be. I know. It's a very cowardly move that she makes here, and it ends up being way worse. Totally. Than just saying, I'm not interested. It, it turns into a whole thing where she's saying that she's Catholic and that her parents won't let her date a Jewish guy and everything. and More of a pragmatic nihilist. <laughs> I think it's pretty obvious that she's just saying that as an excuse, but... It doesn't even matter because either way, it's pretty terrible. And then Joel tells M, and M explodes on Sue. In a great moment, <laughs> a, yeah. Very embarrassing for everyone there. He's getting yelled at. You are not my friend. Yeah. <laughs> and then fucking James is running around. He can't stop bragging to everyone about Lisa P. I know. Which, of course, really rubs Joel the wrong way because of M. And then James also tells Frigo because he just can't help himself. I know. He just wants people to know. Yeah. But then he's always like, you can't tell anybody. Well, wouldn't you? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know yeah. if I have the balls to pull off a move where I'm like involved with someone at work and yeah. then I'm going to go out with a different girl at work too. No. Well, I also think I wouldn't be running around about the Lisa P thing too quick because I just know that it's going to blow up in my face later. <laughs> and I don't want everybody to know when it does. Yeah. I think I would probably approach it from... People aren't going to know about me and Lisa P until we're like engaged. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm going to blow everyone's mind. <laughs> James takes Lisa P to the Velvet Touch, which is a restaurant James tried to get hired at. Also, kind of sounds like a massage parlor that may give hand jobs. The <laughs> yeah, Velvet Touch. It's a weird touch. name. Yeah. This is something that we talked about a lot on the initial Adventureland episode. The overall portrayal of Lisa P. Starts out great. She's a sex bomb that everyone is losing their minds over. And then without beating you over the head with it, you can kind of tell that she's a bit of a dingus. She's not super bright. Yeah. But there's some humanity there, too. Like the whole backstory with her dad and stuff that she shares with James. Yeah. You know? She's sort of a rounded out character. We know that she's a Catholic girl. Connell claims that. Lisa P is a virgin, although you're not sure if that's just because Lisa P shot him down, which we find out about later, because she actually provides the hot goss oh, about yeah. Connell's M.O. She talks about a different girl from the previous year, the whole basement deal, and now we as the viewers realize how foolish M is going to be made to feel later in the movie. Uh-huh. You're almost telegraphing this embarrassment yep. later. Well, I do want to talk more about the Lisa P portrayal, but we'll save it for when the second half of that comes in. So, so far, having her just be a little bit dumb and not quite a good match for James in terms of conversations and interests and everything, I think that's fine. Sure. But then I feel like they take it to an unnecessary level later where you're thinking, okay, did you have to go this far? Right, right. Frigo shows up. And ends up extorting James so that he won't tell people. Sure. You shaking me down? Yeah. He's like, no, no. no. Yeah. <laughs> James is in the middle of pontificating one of his endless huh. fucking things. And Lisa P just asks, would you rather have a sailboat or a speedboat? And then just talks about which one would be cooler. <laughs> but they do make out at the end of the date. She slams on the brakes which does lend a little bit of credence to what Connell was saying. Sure. It seems like a little bit of a tease, but not in a bad way. I'm, no, not, I'm no. not saying that in a derogative sense, ladies. I mean, relax. if this was the end of the day, I'd be feeling like pretty good from James' perspective. 
it feels like another day is definitely a possibility here. Yeah, that is something that seems to almost be missing from the movie because things sort of get back on track with M after this and you feel like there would be a scene of Lisa P wondering where that huh. second date in yeah. is and it driving her nuts that he isn't asking. Right. Her. When James gets home, there's a note on his bed that says M called. And this is what I was talking about earlier. This is the narcissism of youth. Everyone's selfish. By having James do this and then keep it a secret for a little while, you're almost essentially putting him on the same level as M. The, the major difference is that James is still a virgin, so it isn't quite as far physically, but th- the deception is sort of the same. Sure. In a way, you could argue that it's worse, because what was going on with M and Connell predates her knowing James at all, and then he's starting something up with M and then yeah. immediately goes on this clandestine date with the hottest girl at the park or whatever And she again, is. it all seems to just come out of, we don't see everything, of course, but it's kind of like one night where M's sort of putting the roadblock on a little bit, and then he's like, yeah. Obviously, an opportunity comes up with Lisa P. like separate from that, but if everything was just going smoothly with M still, I, I don't think he's going on this date. Right. But I guess in a way to make up for... The guilt he's feeling, James brings the pot in and they make the pot cookies that M wanted to make. There's a little bit of a Martin Starr nut allergy continuity from Freaks and Geeks. He just <laughs> sort of references yeah. it, but then eats the cookies anyway. Right. I think he's like taking the nuts out, but I don't, I think if you like a nut allergy, I don't, I don't think it's a safe That's move. It's going to fly. <laughs> and while everyone's stoned, this leads to what I refer to as the hats off Larry incident. Oh, yeah. <laughs> When things really take a turn. M, James, and Joel are messing around with this stupid Hats Off Larry game. We know from Joel's spiel at the beginning that the hats are glued on right. and they can't really win this game. Joel ends up getting punched by some fucking goon who's uh-huh. pissed off about the game. And then James jumps in when the guy puts his hands on M. It's a really poorly choreographed fight sequence yeah. where you're not even sure what just happened. And he punches the guy in the stomach and then runs. And he's being chased by a couple guys. I did think it's funny that he jumps out that window and then that big guy tries to jump out the window and it's like super awkward. <laughs> and then Bobby ends up saving the day with a bat and he chases the guy off. Just acting like a lunatic. On the surface, it just seems like the kind of shenanigans that happen at a low rent theme park. Sure. But the whole situation is too much for Joel to bear. James is treated like a conquering hero by the park staff. Joel was clearly very embarrassed and emasculated, all the while knowing that James jumped to go after Lisa P the first chance he got, ditching M, which I think you can read into it and assume that M is Joel's dream girl right? in the process. But it doesn't seem like he and James are actually good enough friends to articulate any of this. Especially when James and M are carrying on like the Lisa P detour never happened. Because, like I said, things sort of get right back on the right track with them, which I guess further upsets Joel. Yeah, I don't know. It's tough with Joel. You're walking on eggshells. Do you agree, though, that that's what we're supposed to read into it? That M is sort of his dream girl? Yeah. But as I said, I don't think they're good enough friends at this point for... James to have to act in any certain way. Yeah, I agree. If Joel had said something, 
then everything gets weird and awkward and he might not be able to be Joel's friend at all because he's like, well, I'm still going to date him. So yeah, if you're in love with her too bad, there's probably a lot of Joel's at the park, frankly, even this guy later who's pretending to be the drummer. That's the thing. And M is one of these pretty girls. That's like nice to the losers. (laughs) Of course, they're all going to be obsessed with her. (laughs) Yeah. The lesson of Adventureland girls is don't be nice to the losers no. because they're all going to be drooling you're all gonna over just, you. You're just you're messing up the ecosystem. <laughs> they have a pillow with your face on it at home. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is what happens when you're nice. <laughs> they all fall in love with you. In all fairness, Joel doesn't do anything. Yeah, that's true. It's that drummer guy though that does yeah. make a fool of him. Joel is just living in his own personal hell all the time. Yeah. So Joel quits Adventureland and James has to track him down at his house to be able to actually talk to him. Isn't he like, I'll meet you in the back, it's too embarrassing for you to see where I live or something yeah. like that? I can't abide the humiliation of you seeing inside the house. <laughs> Is it because of Sue? What? Why you quit? Because, Joel, you're a great guy, you know, and she doesn't deserve you. James, look at me. Not a good-looking guy, and I'm poor. Girls aren't going to go near me when there's all these fucking yuppies around. It's ridiculous. Not all women are like that. You know, M, M isn't like that. M? Yeah. You don't even appreciate what you have. You're chasing after Lisa P. When you have this incredible, beautiful girl right fucking there. Fuck this. I think that this conversation in the backyard is a wake-up call on two fronts. Yes. First, it's a wake-up call with M. It's time to tell the truth, which is exactly what James ends up doing. Yeah. He realizes, like, okay, you know what? As annoying and as terrible as Joel is, he has a, he has a point. <laughs> I shouldn't have done that. Right. And then it's a wake-up call with Joel, too. Obviously, Joel has his own unspoken feelings, which he never actually says, but I think it the idea is pretty clear. Yeah. And even if it isn't M, it's the idea that he is pining after certain girls, whether it's Sue or whoever, that he just can't get because of not being a good-looking guy and also being a weirdo. Yes, which makes it tough. It's a be- it's a harsh combination. So then James does come clean with M, and she seems bewildered by the yeah, whole thing. Yeah, stunned, really. She's like, what? Lisa P went on a date with you? <laughs> with you? <laughs> She's one of those girls that will only date guys that she thinks are like beneath her. Yeah, yeah. So then the fact that he's jumping all the way to Lisa V. But she says that it's sweet that he told her this, and then his honesty increases her own guilt. Right. So now she's like, oh, God. She didn't yeah. even know anything about this, but now I that know. he's telling her about it, she, it makes it worse. Well, that's the thing. It's like he's cl- coming clean about something, and then it almost makes it seem like she needs to as well, but that ain't happening. Well, she makes the joke yeah. because he's like, I made out with her and I touched her breast. And he, and she's like, no intercourse, though. Which she kind of seems like pissed at him. Yeah. But at the same time, I think she's pissed at herself because she knows that because James is a virgin, he's not yeah. going to ever reach that same level she's reached. No, I think it's well played here because I do think that there is an immediate twinge and then she kind of lets off. Yeah, she knows that she's yeah. got no ground to stand on. M is emotionally charged, and at the end of that night, she tracks down Connell to end things. Predictably, he wants to have this conversation at his mom's house. And while that's happening, the shit is hitting the fan back at Adventureland. 
A mentally challenged co-worker tells James that one night he saw M and Connell doing push-ups without any pants on in the back of Connell's car. Which is a fun way of putting it. Frigo, who is facilitating this revelation... He's translating it. ...drives James to Connell's mother's house, which earlier this was set up that James would know where this was, and also Lisa P., Filled him in on the MO. I don't even know if I had those two items of information that I would immediately think that this is where they're at. Yeah, I don't think I would do an investigation, frankly. I think I would just accept that this is true and maybe I'd confront her later. But this is maybe a bit far that (laughs) he's driving out here. It's dark out. I get it, though. Sometimes you get that spur of the moment that surge of adrenaline in your stomach and it's like this is not waiting till yeah, tomorrow we gotta go do a stakeout i'm making a scene yeah. right now <laughs> that overwhelming desire to make a scene i've definitely <laughs> felt that a few times <laughs> because he calls her fucking house oh yeah and her dad picks up the phone and says that she said she was going to meet you Oof. rough yeah well Oh, okay. So, I mean, as far as her parents are concerned, like, I'm the boyfriend, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Any small victory. Yeah. I'm being cucked, but... (laughs) I don't want to drink. You know, James went out with Lisa P. last week. I don't know. You know. Let me rat out James. Right. Slow down. Shit. Sim's car. Let's wait here. I stole some of my grandma's cough medicine if you want some. Uh, no. It's great. Yeah. Please. Okay. Can you sit down, please? Just for a second. Look, you want to end this? Yes. If you want to smash your window, shut the fuck up, okay? All right, okay, brother. Trying to help. Oh, shit. What are you doing here? Are you and Connell, like? Uh, started in, like, I didn't even, I didn't know you when it, How did you, what do you, how did you find me here? Lisa P. told me that Connell used to take some other girl here last summer to his mother's basement. Right. Yeah, I just like don't understand um, how you could do this. I came here to, uh... I know, I know I fucked up too. Okay, I fucked up one time and I fucking told you about it and you, you think I'm like some like fucking pathetic idiot or something? You're not a fucking idiot. I'm a fucking idiot. Yeah, that's right. So Frigo and James go to Connell's mother's house and wait. Doesn't take very long for M to show up outside. They have this confrontation in the street that is just brutal for everyone involved. <laughs> yeah. None of it is actually very long, but I think it's all very effective. It ends with her saying she's like crying she's like 
you're not a fucking idiot. I'm a fucking idiot. And then he doesn't even know. How to, he's just like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and then walks away. <laughs> oh, God. That does take the wind out of his sails. Well, wait, I was supposed to be yelling at you saying like mean things. And now you're turning it back on yourself. I think if I go a few years without watching Adventureland, I always assume that the confrontation on the street is what leads to her quitting and not showing up anymore, but it's not. And it's so weird that they're both working the next day and they just don't acknowledge each other. Yeah, Yeah. You've been involved in some of those moments in your life. (laughs) That's my whole life, really. (laughs) James does the only logical thing left to do. He goes out with Lisa P. again and just spills his guts about everything. Yeah, really. Lisa P. promises to keep it a secret, but of course she doesn't. And the news quickly spreads throughout the park, and M. quits soon afterward, totally humiliated. Because she realizes that everyone knows her business, she looks like a yeah. homewrecker, it's not a very enlightened time, 1987, so even yeah, though Lisa P.'s yeah. reaction is way over the top, I think a lot of people assume she's a slut and blame her. To be fair, Connell doesn't seem that broken up about it. He doesn't quit. No, and you can hear overhear a lot of the guys at the park say that Connell's a god. Yeah. So that's just sort of how it is, you know, misogyny. <laughs> I mean, it's the Tommy Lee thing. James goes to confront Lisa P. for telling people about what happened, and this confrontation is hilarious. It's one of the funniest scenes in yes. the movie to me. Even though this is what I was referring to earlier. And I think it is something that's bothered me with this movie for a long time. Because I get why certain things happen in stories. You want the audience to understand without having to do even more work. So it's pretty simple to make Lisa P. seem like not a good option. But I feel like that was already accomplished by A. Having her sniff the side of her wine glass. Being a doofus. (laughs) And B. Telling the secret. Yes. You could have just left it at that, but then you have to have James confront her and then really take a very non-feminist point of view and blame right. him for everything <laughs> and say that guys are basically allowed to act however they want because that's just how guys are. They can't help themselves. <laughs> I don't know what to say, but everyone is talking about M and Connell. <sighs> Kelly's got such a big effing mouth. I'm sorry, because I gave you my word. We were just so wasted that night. You know I can't hide nothing from Cal. Are you mad at me? Well, yeah, yeah, Connell's gonna freak out and and M quit. I feel bad for Connell. I have a hard time feeling sorry for M. Guys can't help themselves. But he's the married one. Yeah, Emma's a freaking homewrecker. Yeah, he's cheating on his wife. Though. I can't believe you're defending her. What? What? Because guys can be shitty and women can't. I like Lisa P. (laughs) James is like, so what, guys can be shitty but women can't? Whoa. Walks away. Amadeus starts, it's just starts dancing. Unbelievable. Yeah. It was a different time. Yeah, totally. You would think maybe now Lisa P, who would be, you know, basically in her late fifties or sixty years yeah. old now, would we got to track her down? View the world a little differently. We got to track. Her She's down. local. <laughs> She's still living in Pittsburgh. She's yeah. the queen. <laughs> they have a annual parade in West Mifflin every year in her honor. <laughs> yeah. 
M flees to New York City, which is a totally embarrassing thing to do. And I do think that James calls her out on it later. About, yeah. Like, you just can't run away from everything. Mm-hmm. Although that is what people do. That would be the end, though. And it would take me, I don't know, years to, like, get past that. If I was, like, really into this girl and then she just completely ghosts, like, leaves town altogether and no no, no call. <laughs> I mean, that would be rough. Yeah, I would take that as a sign of it's not happening. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because, okay, I know that James is hurt and he feels betrayed, and rightly so, but his revenge was to tell Lisa P, and even though it's not entirely his fault that she then spread the word. He was playing with fire. Yeah, and he he was was pissed, and it was sort of like, I'm getting back at her by bitching about this happening, and now... It's caused her even further embarrassment. It's one of those things that you do going into it, telling yourself you have plausible deniability. I just told this one person. Although it you is know it's where it's heading, though. A meet cute for later on <laughs> when they're married. Definitely. Uh, everyone at the park found out your mother was a slut because I don't. <laughs> <laughs> James gets drunk and crashes his parents' car and causes some damage to the Frigo's rhododendrons and... What an idiot. This whole wrinkle that the whole summer and all the money that he made is just gone now. Yeah. And then his mother confronts him with the bottle that was in the car, but it was really his dad's bottle. (laughs) His dad says nothing like a total coward. To be fair, James plays it cool, too. (laughs) James's Adventureland money has to pay for all of it. And then his friend Eric returns from Europe and tells him that he's going to Harvard Business School instead of New York City leaving James without a place to live in New York. I think Eric was going to float him some cash for the rent and the whole thing, and now that's not going to happen. So now the whole summer seems for naught. He doesn't have anything to show for it money-wise. Oh, yeah. And he's not even going to be having the setup in New York that he thought he was going to have for Columbia and everything. What do you, how do you feel when James's mom recommends taking English lit classes at Pitt, and he is just <laughs> so disgusted by that? Well, yeah, it's a personal attack. Uh, <laughs> no, I think yeah. once you're accepted into an Ivy League school totally. and that's your plan, it probably seems like yeah. she might as well be saying like community college right, at that right, point. Right, right, yeah. I thought you wanted me to go to an Ivy League school, like the one I was accepted to. Plus, I think Pitt's stature has grown since the 80s. Definitely. It's a little harder to get into now. Yeah. Adventureland is now closing for the season. The time frame of this doesn't really add up or make sense that this is all happening. You would think that it would still be open by the time kids are going back to school. Or Absolutely. Like college. Yeah, it definitely. doesn't really make sense, yeah. but whatever. James is there to pick up his last paycheck, and he overhears Connell telling the Lou Reed story to some young ladies, and he refers to the song as shed a light on love instead uh-huh. of satellite of love. And finally, it seems like James realizes yeah. he's full of shit. This works for the movie. It's actually like super dumb, though, that he would pick Lou Reed and really not know Satellite of Love. Yeah. But I get it for the movie. It seems hyper-specific to impress a very select group of people. Right. And then you wouldn't even know like one of this guy's biggest songs. Because you would think that in 1987, if you're going to be trying to score with the young ladies of Adventureland, you'd probably pick like fucking Guns N' Roses or something. Yeah, I know. Lou Reed is like a very niche thing, I think, in 1987. I don't know. It's weird. 
I do think it's cool though that there's almost no real bad blood between Connell and James. They're just kind of like, yeah. All right. Well, I'll see you. Yeah, that was quite a journey we had together. <laughs> James is like, well, I was unaware that we were having that specific of a journey, right? but you know. And then unsatisfied by the replacement starts oh, playing. Yeah. I'm still waiting on that makeup show for the replacements concert we That's were right. supposed to go to in 2015 <laughs> yeah. or 16. We had tickets to see the replacements. It got canceled, and they said there was going to be a makeup show, and it's never happened. <laughs> well, we'll see one of these days. But a, a great song to come in here, a great finish. I do think it's a cool look to this ending. They actually did film this in New York. Yeah. And somehow, out of everything in this movie, the New York stuff and the skyline and the buildings and stuff, you kind of believe it is 1987. Yeah, yeah. They, they do pull it's dark that off. With, and it's raining and everything. Yeah. You think like the Ninja Turtles are going to be out there. Definitely. James heads to NYC and waits outside M's apartment in the rain. When she arrives, she invites him inside. Huge, huge leap by James. And they reconcile. Yeah, they don't explain in the movie how he knows where she lives. I assume he asked her parents or something. Yeah. You just knows. have to accept that he knows because otherwise there would be no way. Yeah. There would just be no way. She's a little reluctant to see him at first. And you think, oh, like, she actually says, I can't see you. That should have been a credits. <laughs> I don't think I can see you. Yeah. And, and then she reveals that it's because she's just sort of embarrassed and upset about what happened over the summer. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have James still pushing forward and you're like, oh, how magnanimous of him to forgive her. But then she's like, okay, I was just saying that as an excuse. I- I'm not interested. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, hi. I just got off a bus. I'm a, I'm a New Yorker now. I assume I should probably buy an umbrella. I don't think I can see you. What? This summer was rough. I did things that I really, really regret. Yeah, me too. I'm sorry I, I told Lisa P about you and Connell. She, you know, told the rest of the world, but I'm not gonna lie. I was, I was really angry at you, but, but you didn't deserve that. No, James. I am so sorry for fucking this up. You know, you were the only good thing that happened this summer. Wait, Em. I think I maybe see you a little differently than, than you see yourself. Yes, I see, I see the person who fucked up, but I, I also see the person who saved me from being knifed over a giant-ass panda. Who introduced me to psychotropic chocolate chip cookies. And who stood up for Joel. And who doesn't make apologies for herself. But my, my theory is you, you can't just avoid everybody you screw up with. And you should, you should trust me, I'm a New Yorker. It ends with them essentially about to have sex and seemingly are together now and he's gonna somehow try to stay in new york i think the idea was he was hoping that she would just invite him to stay there yeah i know but <laughs> he's then like, i guess we'll stay at the y yeah young relationships like that moving in together after not knowing each other that well usually work out <laughs> yeah i don't know what their future really is the truth is that 
James is still way too naive, and I think M is yeah. a little ahead of her time, maybe a little more worldly. Yeah, I don't think that you carry on an affair with someone that much older, and then everything's just going to be fine moving yeah. forward. I don't know if this virgin's going to be getting it done for. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. These are jokes, people. Really? Relax. Come on. Come on. And that's your movie. It ends on a happy note. Yeah. It's the life that I think people wish that they did live. It reminds me a little bit of a movie like Almost Famous, just because it's so nostalgic feeling. Like, yes, everything was so perfect and great. Yeah. I love the movie. It's definitely like five stars for me. It's probably one of my most frequently revisited movies over the past... 10 to 12 years now but if there was one part that doesn't seem as real to me as the rest of it does it's definitely the ending i'm for it it doesn't ruin anything for me it just doesn't feel as real as the rest of the movie does (laughs) yeah it doesn't feel as messy as real life often is i wouldn't have minded something a little different where she doesn't go back to new york right away and they just kind of cut out all the new york stuff and then it leaves it like a little bit hopeful but yeah more ambiguous like they Almost like the breakup right. with Vince Vaughn and Jennifer yeah, yeah. Anderson. Like, there's there an go. ending where you're yeah. like, are they getting back together? They run to each other on the streets of New During York Christmas. City. <laughs> <laughs> They're like holding bags. It's like, yeah. it's great to see you. Yeah. He's talking fast like Vince Vaughn. <laughs> That's an ending. Right. All right. <laughs> yeah, and of course, when I first saw the movie, I was a little let down, expecting it to be a laugh riot or something, like super bad. But that goes to show you how expectations can fuck with you because the movie is great and i love it but when you're expecting something completely different sometimes it just throws you i kept waiting for it to be hilarious and then frigo did the boner thing and i'm like okay here we go yeah i was expecting the whole movie to be like that and it certainly is an understated movie it's not like in your face no i think that it's definitely always got that potential to really turn into a cult movie if people discover it more I just don't know that it's one of those things that when people see it on Netflix or HBO Max or wherever it shows up, if they're like looking at it and yeah. thinking like, yeah, this is something I want to watch because it doesn't grab you yeah, if, unless you know what it is. Right after like I first watched it, I always wanted to get one of those games shirts, like the games, games, games. Yeah. Just never, never happened for me. <laughs> one of these days. If the movie was a bigger hit, those probably yeah. would be available. Obviously, the music stands out. This was a time period in my life where I was listening to a lot of the bands from the soundtrack. Oh, totally. It just happened to coincide because it wasn't like oh, I was yeah, really yeah. listening to them that much pre-2009. It just happened to be around the same time yeah. that I was getting into a lot of this stuff. Yeah, this was definitely like when I started listening to Big Star. Folks, that's Adventureland. I think we went a little bit deeper than we did the first time, which I'm sure was at least 40% dead air. <laughs> A lot of slow talking. Yeah, really. I tried re-listening to the episode, which isn't something that I do all the time no, with Revisiteds, no. but I, for some whatever reason, was like, I should see what we talked about the first time around. I made it about yeah. 13 seconds. I was like George C. Scott in Hardcore. I was like, shut it off. I can spe- shut it off. <laughs> I, do, I can't specifically remember you making a joke that had to do with oh, no. a tube sock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. I won't say it because it's crass. But... <laughs> okay. The idea was what James was doing because he just had this great night with M, but then like M's off having this whole other. 
there's definitely a case to be made that we were funnier when, the, <laughs> when we weren't afraid of offending yeah, everybody yeah, all yeah. the time. But the, the quality of the show is better now. I know it seems crazy to say that, people, but if you go back, yeah, we're you, better it, now. It would, it would take a lot just to get to those jokes because there would be so much silence and slow talking. Yeah, I think we probably did riff on that whole concept of... Because <laughs> I think we yeah, probably yeah. both had been there where we're like having a great time with a young lady and we think that's the end of the night. But it's not for them. It's like Blue Velvet. You're just like, oh, holy shit, there's this whole other... <laughs> night after the night you're like you think like the world shuts down at a certain point <laughs> ryan reynolds is like huffing nitrous <laughs> <laughs> baby wants to fuck <laughs> that's what's happening in his mom's basement <laughs> it's so much more devious yeah. than you could even imagine i know oh god yeah and then you do really feel like the biggest fool in the world yeah, but I think it's cool that in this movie, they sort of both end up feeling like fools. Yeah. Because she thinks that what she has going on with Connell is special, and then it's sort of pulled out from under her. And then James thinks he's hot shit because he's sort of juggling M and Lisa P, and then he mm-hmm. realizes he's an idiot. He's definitely not hot shit. Yeah. And then Joel ends up with his ear cut off like Blue Velvet. <laughs> what are you doing? What? <clears throat> Vincent stopped making picks. Well, how am I going to know what movies to see? We have a wide variety of Gene picks. Gene's trash. I'm Gene. So let's get to recommendations. Do you have one? Yeah, I'll do one. This is going to seem really weird, but I'll tie it in. <laughs> okay. I had started, I finished it earlier today. The 90s remake of Diabolic, or Diabolique, however you say yeah. it. Yeah. With Sharon Stone and the girl from Possession. Yeah. It's not a great movie, but it is entertaining. And I was like stunned that it's like a Pittsburgh movie. Yeah. One of my best friends from elementary school is in the movie. Wow. <laughs> I yeah, never seen it. On before. camera, too, yeah. briefly. It's one of those movies where you're just like, this movie can't even exist if it's not Sharon Stone in this role. Yeah. It's one of those roles that you're just like, it has to be Sharon Stone. Right. And if it's not her, don't even make the movie. So I've never seen the uh, original. I have the Criterion, and I put. Oh yeah, Lady Diabolique is. I know that's like awesome, but that's great. This one's like stupid at parts, but it is fun. Uh, It is on Amazon Prime right now. (laughs) So there you go. Go watch that for two Pittsburgh-centric movies: Adventureland and the '90s remake of Diabolic. My recommendation is a film called Prey on Hulu. It is a I guess you would call it a prequel to Predator since it takes place before all of the other Predator films. It's a part of the Predator franchise. It takes place in the 1700s. It's basically a Predator interacting with the Native Americans. I do think that you can actually watch it dubbed in Comanche if you want to. Oh, wow. I was actually going to watch it that way, but then I saw it was dubbed, and I was like, I'm not going to watch it if the mouth doesn't match up what they're saying. I will say this. I'm not the biggest Predator franchise guy. I've seen all of them, some of them more than once. The first one more than once, obviously. I think I saw Predators with an S a couple of times. But the other ones, Predator 2 and the most recent one called The Predator, I think I saw only once each. Yeah, same. The latest one from 2018 was awful. That's The the Predator, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. With Olivia Munn. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, God. But... 
for the most part, the franchise is pretty fun. I've never seen the Alien vs. Predator films, but whatever. It doesn't matter. This one is probably the best other than the original. It's very well made. It's directed by Dan Trachtenberg, who did 10 Cloverfield Lane. Is it incredible? Is it worthy of the insanely high Rotten Tomatoes score it has? I don't know if I would go that far, but it's entertaining and fun. It's cool to see a Predator in this different environment than we've sure. ever seen before. And it yeah. made me think like you could do other prequels like in Civil War or the Roaring Twenties or the Great Depression or World War II or just different times. Yeah, I think it would be kind of fun. That, to me, is the future of a franchise with The Predator, is to just throw them into random time periods and settings. It's not yeah. reinventing anything. It, it's pretty straightforward, but it's a fun action-adventure movie. It feels like they've never really quite been... Like, Predator was such a popular thing. The idea... Of course, Alien, but then Predator people always loved, I felt like, more. But they've never really been able to have the movies like Carrie on you know well like, the, the cool thing about predator is a lot of the people that watched it back then when it came out didn't know they just thought it was like an arnold schwarzenegger action movie right, they didn't right. really know what was going to happen and yeah, then they're yeah. like holy shit what the fuck right but you can't really do that again yeah yeah and arnold was just a huge star so it falls under his oeuvre of his career which is a big thing you have going for it. he's only in the first one right i think the second one kind of stinks it's like way too long yeah. And there's cool shit in it because it's, it, it's in the, the city and everything, but it, the story is not great. Predators was kind of fun. I'm trying. Is that the one with like Adrian Brody? Yeah, where okay, they're yeah, like yeah. abducted and then they, they're right. put on the planet with yeah. them. That's kind of cool. I don't know. If you're interested in the Predator stuff, I think it's worth watching Prey for sure. It's getting rave reviews. Everyone seems to like yeah. it. Yeah. It's the one right now on Letterboxd that every time I get on, somebody's giving it between four and five stars. Yeah. Like, there's a, are, every week there's some movie that that's what it is. People are effusively praising yeah. Prey. Although, I do think it's genius to just release it on Hulu. If this would have been released in theaters, I could see it being a, a box office disappointment just because it doesn't have Predator in the title. People were annoyed with the last Predator movie anyway. So, this way, I think more people are willing to check it out because it's free on Hulu, basically. Yeah. So that's my recommendation. I think we should also talk about the Roadhouse news. I know that some of our listeners were curious as to what our thoughts were. As the Jake Gyllenhaal, Doug Lyman Roadhouse that we referenced during our Roadhouse Revisited episode back on Uh New Year's Eve is actually seemingly speeding ahead here. Wow, all right, love it. So it seems like it's going to come out as an, an Amazon exclusive because they acquired MGM uh, however long ago. And now okay. this is going to be like an Amazon project. I guess it'll probably be exclusive to Prime, but maybe it'll be in theaters too. Hopefully. I don't know. <laughs> I need to see this on the big screen. I don't know much of the cast. Obviously, I know Gyllenhaal. And then you have Billy Magnuson, who was like the douchey brother yeah. in Ingrid Goes West. Yep. Seems like a good fit for a Roadhouse world. Yeah. There's a lot of other people cast who I don't know. I'm I'm just not familiar with. I think Lucas Gage, I know. Okay. Yeah. I recognize the name. Kind of a younger guy. He's in Euphoria and The White Lotus. Oh, gotcha. I don't think he's a major part of each, either of those though, but he's just in them. But the big part is Connor McGregor being in the film now. Oh. 
It was reported that he's going to have a, quote, starring role. But as I tweeted to one of our listeners, I think some people sometimes have a loose definition of what that means, a starring role. Yeah. Jimmy? That's Exactly. That's who I thought. I was like, well, he would fit maybe as like a Jimmy. But I don't know. He's definitely older than Billy Magnuson, and I would imagine Magnuson might be a villain as well. Yeah, that's true. But he could have like six lines and be in two fight scenes. Yeah. Just because they say starring role, that means like he's not an extra probably. Wade Garrett? He's going to be in some scenes. I feel like it's too many lines for Wade Garrett. Well, Gyllenhaal was born in 1980. There's no way Conor McGregor's older than that. (laughs) So I I would think that Wade Garrett would need to be older. Yeah. Yeah, he was born in 88. So the thing is, the thing that we don't know is that the story could potentially be different enough where there's not one-for-ones for everybody from the original. Right. The story is going to be different. There's already some things I don't love about it where I think Jake Gyllenhaal's Dalton is coming from the MMA world. Okay. And I don't love that just because I love the idea that he's just a famous bouncer. That yep, you're right. like, who a is cooler. this guy? Yep. Where did he come from? He's a philosophy major in college. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. he's this mystery. I don't want him to have this past where we know why he's so good at fighting. Yeah, that ruins it a little bit. <laughs> it takes away the mystique of him just showing up in town and doing whatever. I do love that they're setting it, I think, down in like the Florida Keys or somewhere like down and dirty in Florida. I think that makes a lot of sense. Oh, yeah. Because I think there are those like weird little beach communities or places totally. down there that are sort of their own. They all world. have those like kind of crazy biker bars. Yeah, and you could see someone like a Brad Wesley sort of holding court over a town, even in like 2022. Oh, like yeah. in a modern world, you almost still believe it. I don't know though that the story's going to be the same. I don't know if there will be a one for one equivalent with Brad Wesley. I don't really know. That's what true. The story yeah, is. that's right. Yeah, I do know that with Gyllenhaal and Doug Lyman on board it feels safe to say that this will go better than whatever was going to happen with Ronda Rousey. I think so. Which would yeah. probably have been a disaster. So I'm excited. I like the fact that it's moving quickly. It's supposedly going to start filming soon. There's a lot of people listed here in the cast, so it seems like we're ready to go. Unfortunately, it doesn't quite match up with my dream casting of the Roadhouse remix yeah. where every character is someone you recognize immediately. <laughs> You're like, okay, yes. The cast looks very young, which I guess makes sense. They're not trying to necessarily appeal to older people, even though I yeah. think that's the main demo for Roadhouse. I really, yeah, like for the original one, I mean, it's basically like the cast is like Swayze, then a bunch of old people. And Swayze was basically like in his late 30s, yeah. if not close to 40. True. So there was no trying to appeal to younger people back then. Yeah. But they need to work in a Kelly Lynch cameo. I'm optimistic that it could still be fun. I know that the world has changed a lot since 1989, so I don't know that it'll be quite as fun as the it's original so hard. It's so hard when you set out to do this to make it that same level of fun. Yeah. I, we talk about Roadhouse all the time, and they were like obviously like doing some percentage of it with a wink, and they were having fun, but they were capturing lightning in a bottle with that movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's so, so hard to like recapture that magic. I know. I, I think the mistake would be to try to be too... Ridiculous. Winking at the yeah. camera. Because then you end up with like snakes on a plane or something. Right, right. You have to just take it seriously enough. You don't want it to be devoid of humor. That's yeah. for sure. You don't want it to be like dreary or anything. But you can't go over the top on purpose all the time right. and make it stupid. There has to be some reality in it too, even though the story itself has to be crazy and, and ridiculous. Death. But we'll see. I'm optimistic about it only because... 
I think the last 20 to 30 years of remakes has taught me that like even if a remake sucks, it really doesn't matter because most of the time it's here and gone and no one even cares or remembers anyway, so who cares? Yeah. It, it's not like, oh, the no, legacy is ruined. Oh, totally. Because, like, I mean, do you even remember that there was like a Point Break remake? No. It's like, it like, has yeah. no bearing on the original Point totally. Break at all. So, yeah. But that was a good example of them trying to take it way too seriously. I didn't see it, but you could tell from the trailer that it was not going to be fun. Yeah, yeah. Okay, folks. I think that will do it for Adventureland. Where's it streaming right now? HBO Max, I think? Uh, Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I I watched my Blu-ray because any chance I get to watch physical media over streaming, I'm doing it. Yeah, we could get into the whole HBO Max fiasco going on right now. Save that for another day. Yeah, it's not even worth talking about. We should point out that I know this is the end of the episode and not that many people are listening, but we recorded the whole Batman episode before this whole information with the Batgirl thing. Not that that's directly tied in, but Keaton was reprising his role, and this is like kind of his big return is over a couple of different DC-related projects, and Batgirl is one of them, and now that movie is indefinitely shelved. I guess forever, because they wow. took the tax break, and now they're not allowed to release it for monetary gain. Okay. So unless they give it away for free, which they won't do because it's not finished, and they'd have to spend more money on it, it seems like it's just not going to be seen. I don't know. Maybe somehow it will. I, I, who knows? But anyway, we would have probably got into that, but I was thinking, okay, well, Keaton's returning to his role as Batman. This stuff hasn't come out yet. We can maybe save that for when we do Batman Returns later in the year. Obviously, if we would have known that this was all going to play out, I think we would have talked about it, but yeah. it broke like the same day I was finishing the episode to post or whatever. I don't know. It's a disaster. Own physical media. Yeah. <laughs> because they fucking right. pulled stuff off of there yeah. just to save money from having to give fucking residuals and it's like a tax break. and I don't know. That's you can't right. trust this stuff. Yeah, exactly. This is the type of stuff that I'm like telling Lindsay, see? This is why you should be happy when six Blu-rays show See, up. That's at why the door. I had to buy the Irishman Criterion, yeah. even though it's on Netflix, <laughs> <laughs> because you never know. Oh yeah. All right, folks, follow the show on Twitter at Greatest Pod. Make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, etc. Give us a rating and review if you get a chance. We love to read them. Drop us a little line on Twitter. To say hey, what's up? We got some listener requests coming at the end of the month and then into September picking that back up if you have never ever given us a listener request we will still take it and try to make it work for sometime soon if we've already done one of your requests in the past and just hold off for right now maybe we'll talk about that next year or something (laughs) yeah right now that's sort of closed for repeat requests if you'd like a free sticker you can also hit us up on twitter at greatest pod you can find us on letterboxd zach z-a-c-h 1983 and Matt Crosby and we will talk to you soon
I'm a pubic hair. Yeah, I'm just a pub, and it's not fair. All I ever wished to be was just another hair. But when they got one look at me, the ruling from society was ill, not you. Oh, what's a curl to do? It seems like all the ads are showing perfect skin and shiny hair. But what about this other world inside your underwear? It's okay to say I'm me. You really can see pubic. No need to be ashamed. It's even kind of therapy.